On today's Reality Check with Klimchak and Klimchak, we discuss all the latest news and rumors around Major League Baseball. Reality Check with Klimchak and Klimchak starts right now. Welcome in, Ryan Klimchak here, Jake Klimchak over there, and today we're just going to talk about some Major League Baseball action that we've seen lately within the last week or so. I know it's been about a week since we released our last episode, so let's just dive right into things and just discuss what, what's really been going around in, in the baseball world, because there's not a whole lot of other sports going on right now. It's We're, we're in that point where it's baseball, man. It's all baseball. We have the NHL draft and the NBA draft coming up, really, the NHL draft this week. So I know we'll get into that stuff probably on on later dates. But for now, let's just stick with baseball and, and just talk about some of the latest news there. Yesterday, the Nationals acquired Kelvin Herrera from the Kansas City Royals. And I just want to know what you think of that move and, and what do you think it does to the Nationals moving forward? Because I think that that's one of those moves we're not going to look at right now. But as we move later into the season, because usually you don't see teams make trades this early. Especially for an elite reliever like Kelvin Herrera this early, like before July. I, th- I think it would be rational to assume that the Nationals may have gotten him for a discounted price versus what they may have had to have given up to get him later in July. So you think his value would have gone up yeah. the later in the season you well, go? Just, just yeah. look at his numbers. His ERA is hovering right around one. So that he, yeah. he's been an elite reliever in the back end of the Kansas City bullpen for years now. He's established. All that trade does for the Nationals is I think it solidifies an already pretty good bullpen. Not just their bullpen, specifically the back end of their bullpen. Uh, I like what I see with Herrera and Doolittle at the end. Doolittle's still probably expected to be the closer. Although, I don't know. They, there might be... Yeah, I don't know if they'll change that. That's something we'll definitely see moving forward. But uh, Ryan Madsen, he's been iffy this year. 4.38 ERA is one of the setup mans for Washington. Uh, they needed to make a move like this just to solidify the back end of their bullpen. And now having two quality pitchers in Doolittle and Herrera... I think that that's going to help them a lot, especially with the starting staff that they have. You look at Strasburg when he gets healthy and then Scherzer. Those two guys alone are going to give you probably six, seven innings, especially Scherzer. He can get you seven innings every time he goes out there, and he's got that kind of stuff. So you now have two options to go to right after Scherzer when you have to take Scherzer out of the game. And that's part of the reason why they don't need as many bullpen arms as other teams may uh, in a postseason race because their starting staff is so good. Like, look at their one through five. Like, it, it matches up pretty well against anybody, I think. Yeah, Gio Gonzalez, too. He's sort of been under the radar his entire career. Just a solid, like, three, three man in any rotation, really. Uh, He's 6-3 and three with the 3.01 ERA this year in 14 games. I mean, that's pretty good stuff. That's all you can ask for for a number three in your rotation where you already have one and two, some of the best. Uh, 
one and two starters in the in the league, I think, in that rotation. That and also you forget about uh, Tanner Roark too. Roark's had a really nice year. It felt like the first few years of his career, he would just make spot starts for them. But I think he's kind of entered uh, into a phase in his career where he's he's now part of the rotation. Yeah, they they certainly have depth there at the back. And and when you get into the playoffs, because I think it's safe to assume the Nationals look in the long run, like the Atlanta Braves and everything that's going on there. That's really cool. Atlanta's 42 and 29 and they're three and a half up on both Philadelphia and Washington as of right now I I still think Washington's gonna win that division I mean Atlanta and Philadelphia they look like wild card teams to me they, they're gonna be making uh pushes for that for wild card spots I think but I think I said this to you off air I I think that Philadelphia and Atlanta, I think you could both kind of argue that like maybe they're kind of like what Minnesota was last year or Milwaukee was last year. Yeah. I don't know if I like using the phrase playing over their heads this year because they got they got talented young players, but I just don't know if they could keep it up the rest of the way. As good of a first half as they're having right now. Out of those three or out of Atlanta and Philadelphia, we'll just go over them. Which which one's more likely to sort of fade away? Which one's more likely to fade away? Ugh. Like, which one do you have more faith in to, to sort of give to keep it, give a run at it in the to division? Keep it up. I think I'm going to go with Philadelphia just because of the starting pitching. I mean, Jake Arrieta, he's a he's an established veteran in the in uh, the league now. You have him at number one or two, whatever you want to say. But then you also have Aaron Nola, who's really come into his own in the league also this year. So I, I think that starting pitching, I think that – you can't really stress enough about it when you're talking about like team A or team B trying to make a postseason run. I, I just think Philadelphia has them beat there in well, that. Just the experience I think that roster has might be a little bit more than not much more because I mean Atlanta has Freddie Freeman, Nick Markakis, guys who've been in the league a while, not necessarily playoff experience, uh at least a whole lot of playoff experience, but they have some but I, I just think Philadelphia, it's sort of, you, you can tell the trend is going up with them. Regardless of what happens this year, I, I think that you look at this team because they started this rebuild, geez, probably three or four years ago, it seemed like, right? Yeah. Maybe not that long, two Somewhere or three, around, when they yeah. really tore everything down, getting rid of Utley and Howard and, and getting rid of those guys. But you can definitely tell things are trending in the right direction and if if not this year it's going to be in the next couple and of you years know who that scares that's got to scare the washington nationals oh Think yeah about how much pressure is on the nationals this year more than any other year and their team Absolutely. might not be as good this year because i mean after this year just think about it this way you have bryce harper a superstar you have him leaving washington because he's going to explore free agency and it's highly unlikely that they unsign him or that they re-sign him I don't think that it's in his intentions to sign back with Washington. And I don't even know if Washington wants him back. I mean, you look at the money they gave to Daniel Murphy, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg, just those three guys alone. And and if Harper's going to get anything near what people are projecting him to, $300 million, the Nationals, it's not happening. Yeah, the Nationals already made that decision on whether they were going to re-sign him or not. I think they already made it judging by just those contracts you just mentioned. They're certainly going to offer him a deal at the end of the year. I I think that that's a given. I think there's a whole bunch of teams that are going to offer him deals when realistically they probably can't make it happen in terms of the money. Because I think 
Yeah, and you look at how many teams really have a shot at Bryce Harper at the season's end. Maybe five, four or five. Four or five. And he, and in those four or five, I still think there's probably two or three that are really like above the other two or three. You know? Yeah, I, like there's probably there's probably a huge drop off after maybe teams two or three, but Harper's just probably like. They're talk. They're speculating he can make the most money in free agent history, but also if you look at his stats this year, it feels a little. It's it's been a down year for him. Let's be honest about that. I mean, he's not really hitting the ball that great this year, but he does lead the league in walks. So that that tells you if you're if you're in the front office of a team that's trying to pursue him, that he is still getting on base, and that pitchers still are afraid to pitch to the guy. Yeah. And I think that speaks miles, too. That There's a lot of value in that, especially now with all the analytics that general managers and presidents of baseball ops, you know, what they have to their disposal now, what they could look into that. I think Bryce Harper is still a really good commodity, even just looking past, like, the at-batting average. And it's a short sample size, too, but we saw what he's done in the postseason, even though they haven't been able to he get past the NLDS. But, I mean, he's contributed – him not showing to a high up level wasn't there. like the reason why they've been uh, haven't been able to win a postseason series the last few years. Their starting pitching, kind of, believe it or not, as strong as that it's been for the last what four or five years. Their starting pitching just wasn't really able to get it done in the postseason. But Bryce, when you look at Bryce's postseason numbers, they stack up pretty good among some of the other good players in the league. Yeah. It, it mainly the home runs. I mean, he has five career postseason home runs in four four years. That's not that many games, though. Well, it's nineteen games, maybe. Maybe we're overrating that a little bit. Maybe he is a little overrated. Dare I say? I think it. you could say that about anything that's good, though. Like you could say, you could argue that there's there's room for argument in saying that anything good is overrated. You know, there's people that talk about like the Beatles or Michael Jackson being overrated in music. It's kind of the same deal. I feel like we're talking about like what I, anything that's great can be overrated. Like there's, there's a room for argument there. Yeah. Well, we'll see we'll see if Washington can capture the magic, uh, of the nationals this year. And then, uh, like like they did with the Caps. In a lot of years, the Caps spent is, is the team everybody thought was going to win it all, and then they never could until this year. Maybe it's the same case for the Nationals. Maybe they'll have two championships in, in, in the same year after going a long time without any. But, but we'll see about that. I'm just really excited because you look at the standings and the way the standings are. I get it. It's only June. It's mid-June. It's probably not something I should be you know, too crazy about because I think it'll all sort of work itself out and everything will come back down to earth. But look at the standings in the National League. There's some good if if it stays this competitive in this way, I think there's gonna be some really exciting baseball to be played these next couple months here. And I think that that could make for a really interesting trade deadline. Not that the MLB trade deadline isn't uh ever <laughs> Not interesting, but this year it could add a little bit more to it because I think that there could be more teams involved, at least in the National League, with legitimate chances at making the playoffs, where I think by this point last year, we sort of kind of had a feeling who would get in and, and, 
and who was sort of a pretender, like contender and pretender type thing. But you can't say the same thing about the American League, unfortunately. I mean, you look you look at that. There's a lot of divisions, I think, that are already sort of won. But the, the good story I want to get to is Seattle. We might have talked about this on the last episode a little bit, but I mean... Here they are still. They're they're 46 and 26, only two games back of the Houston Astros. And we saw what the Astros have been able to do lately on a 12-game winning streak as of today. So how real do you think the Mariners are? I think they're real for one reason and one reason only. What you just mentioned. Look at the rest of the American League. Yeah. So there's really only two divisions that are like gonna have the wild like because the two wild card spots I think we can all agree they're gonna be occupied by the uh team that comes in second in the AL East whether it's New York or Boston and then the other wild card spot will be the West and uh now looking at just where Los Angeles is what the Angels have done now it looks like they're starting to fade away a lot of speculation with like Otani and all that stuff but I think that the Mariners have a serious shot of making the postseason, and this is the first time in really a long time where you feel kind of like pretty comfortable with their chances and probability of making the postseason. I agree. What moves do you think they need? What's their wish list uh, for for these next couple weeks and then uh, leading into the deadline uh, end of next month? Because at this pace, I mean, they're 46 and 26. That's a lot of games ahead of uh, the other teams. I think they have well, shoot, just looking at it. I and mean, they have a sizable lead over the next team in that wild card uh, race. So so they'd really have to blow it to, to not sneak in as that second wild card team, assuming either the Yankees or Red Sox will have the better record and will host that wild card game. What do you think that Seattle's needs are going to be here moving forward? I think that bullpen, I think you'd need to... Uh you'd probably add to that most teams most teams in Seattle's position usually do add an extra arm in the bullpen just in case barring injury and stuff like that but also first base possibly I think could be interesting I know Healy's having a good year and they like him but like there's probably going to be a good chance that there's a few first basemen out on the market yeah and one of those guys is who who do, who do you think Abreu yeah. or is, is Abreu's that probably in there if you're talking about first baseman on the market but what if the Mariners go out and trade for Manny Machado, Machado. Ooh, I just I, I understand they have Segura but like if you're re- ready to tell the baseball world that you're going for it wouldn't that be wouldn't that like be the move that like Man. that could put them ahead of the Astros I think it's tough Segura's hitting He's hitting 340 this he year. He is, but you can move him to second base. <laughs> and then you'd move D. Gordon back, back to, to center, center and field. then Heredia to one of the corners maybe. Sure. I, they, they're really high on Heredia. I mean, they offensively, like him. Offensively, they're good, but like Machado just puts them above and beyond like he would for any other team. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's actually they a really need, interesting need, uh, idea with there. With Cano suspended and the fact that he can't play in the postseason – I feel like they're missing that, like, superstar. Because, let's face it, Felix Hernandez is kind of out of his prime right now. Yeah. Feels like his best years are behind him. That's not saying that he's not pitching good because he, he's still he still can give you 
a solid amount of innings year in and year out. But I they they need a, a just a power like a superstar on their team that can play in the postseason that's eligible. Yeah, because right now they have a lot of pieces that are that are working right now. But just imagine if they get that one guy that puts them over over the top. And a move like that would definitely do it, and it would send a message to to that clubhouse and to the entire league and they, all of baseball that they're about for a team real. That hasn't made the postseason since two thousand one. Yeah, you you gotta believe that uh, that they're gonna make some moves to try to make sure that that happens because it's so it looks like it's so. Uh, so within reach, and, and Jerry Depoto is going to do everything he can, and I think he's going to be ultra-aggressive here. Here's the problem you face, though, when you're in a position like the Mariners. They get, like, the long playoff drought since 2001, but, I mean, the Red Sox and Yankees, whoever loses that division, like, you're going to have to play them, possibly on the road in a one-game playoff. Do you, like, you, you have to be a betting man, almost, if you're a GM in baseball nowadays because you got to put all your chips in and rely on that one-game playoff. It doesn't feel like it's a playoff game, to be completely honest with you. The wild card game, I don't know if it's worth going, like getting rid of value, like really valuable assets of your future just to compete, just for really a chance in the postseason. It's what it is. And having be- to play in New York or Boston on the road. And because of that, they might. Scary they might refrain from making a huge splash like a Machado or even a, an Abreu because we know the price tag on those two would be really high. Baltimore is definitely going to trade Machado, it seems. But the White Sox and Abreu, that's going to be something that's interesting uh, to see how that sort of develops as we move forward here in the season because I, I don't know. Uh, I think the White Sox would have to get a huge return for that, and I don't think Seattle... I don't think Seattle should do that, and I don't think they will, because I look at, you know, some of the ages of of these players on Seattle. It's and a younger team. I I think that they they might be able to to stick around and stay relevant next year too. So I don't know. And is is Seattle a destination for Machado? Maybe could that be a scenario? There's a lot of like long ter- there, long term. I'm yeah. I'm talking about. I'm not just In talking about the trade. Sorry, should clarify there. They're saying that there's not really going to be a uh, a chance that he that whoever he gets traded to, he's not going to sign with them. He's going to explore free agency. Well, there's a chance he'll sign with them though. There he'll is, just explore but like he's first. Going, he's, yeah, like he's he's not going to sign immediately. There's not going to be any sign and trade scenario. Yeah, and if you're in Machado's position when you're playing as well as he has this year, why would you just kind of give yourself up to a team? True. When you can, when there's what maybe 29 other teams that may want you and are willing to throw a ton of money at you to play shortstop. Who do you think the best pitcher is on this market? We is it's kind of we don't really know though. That's part of the problem. I know we talked about Chris Archer, and we talked about Madison Bumgarner, but do, if you're the Giants, do you really think no, that they No, I don't think they up? are, because I think this is their last sort of uh, year or two. I mean, McCutcheon's finally coming through. They had a disappointing injury with Longoria. Mm. It's a disappointment for them, but you sort of have to have to stay the course I think if you're the Giants because I think they have that type of roster this year and that NL West is is pretty crazy so 
Well, the Dodgers are starting to play better baseball, and they're not even really healthy right now. Yeah, San Francisco's yeah. five and a half out. L.A. is two back of of the Diamondbacks, who who are just surging, too. And then they're gonna be the team that probably adds the most pieces. The Diamondbacks? I think they add another maybe front front of the rotation starter to go along with Granky, and then I think that they're in play in a Manny Machado. They have Shelby Miller supposed to come back uh, soon. I don't know how good that's going to be because he's been he's had injury problems and and just hasn't been the same really since and, uh since the trade. Where was he? Was he in Atlanta? No, he was in St. Louis. That was where St. he really St. Louis, but then St. Louis traded Shelby Miller for Jason Hayward. Yeah. Miller went on That's right. to I Atlanta. Knew that. I'm just Miller had a good year in Atlanta, and then they traded him for um, Dansby Swanson. And Swanson, like, you can't call him a bust yet. It's still early, no. and the the Braves are playing good baseball right now. I just don't know if Swanson's is the player that uh, that a lot of people said that he was going to be because people were heartbroken over the trade. But like, I don't think it's his. I don't think like it, the trade was as bad for the Diamondbacks as what other people may think how about this terror paul gold goldschmidt's been on too because i i just remember watching you know mlb network watching everywhere and listening uh to the radio everywhere and saying when is goldschmidt gonna start hitting like the mvp type player that we've seen out of him and and he was barely hitting over 200 it seemed like at the start of the year the first two months really april and may but he's turned it up the last couple weeks and he's at 265 now what are the odds that he finishes the season over 300, I you think? think? They're, I think they're high, and he's been one of the most quietest stars in sports, I think. And he's got 15 homers, too, so there's a very yeah, there's good a chance that even with the yeah. April and May he had, where it was, <laughs> wasn't it like we're accustomed to seeing, he still could very well finish with 30 home runs and, and hitting around 300. That's pretty good. And he might finish as one of the best first basemen in the National League. Still. Very well could. Very well could. It's just a down year for first baseman in baseball, I feel like. Yeah. But that's interesting, and Goldschmidt's one of those players where like, you got to keep an eye on when you're watching because he, he just flies under the radar when he shouldn't because he's – Mike Trout does too. It's it's a Western thing, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Mike Trout is he's really good. I mean, people know how good he but is. If but he were in an, or if he were in a Dodger uniform, do you think he'd be treated the same way? Because Clayton Kershaw, like, people know who he is. Yeah, he'd be treated – I mean, we would show him more uh, – I think people would know it more. Because he's underrated in an Angels uniform. I, but compare it, I compare it to the Sox and Cubs things or even much, the Mets-Yankees. How much of that is his, like, persona, though, and his, his sort of calm demeanor all the time and personality? I think that a lot of that contributes to it, whereas Harper was always sort of from the get-go more of an outspoken, Energi energetic, energetic yeah. I feel like. But, I mean, you look at what Mike Trout's doing. He's on pace to have the best season ever in I Major League Baseball. A, I think it's more of a compliment, too, to dish that out to Mike Trout Yeah, and say that. And he doesn't seem like the type of guy who wants the the attention no, I, either or who necessarily cares and, and you have to respect that about him but i do feel like it's weird because he is a little bit underrated like and, it, and for how good he is like mickey like, mantle that's insane. like that's well, for, he's better than mantle about. at yeah. this pace like people don't realize by the time he's done if he continues this pace 
that he's been on at this point in his career, if he continues this out, he could very well be in the discussion for one of the best ever. He just needs to stay. He needs to, which he has. He just needs to stay pretty consistently healthy. And he's stayed healthier than Harper, I would think, for the most part. Yeah. Harper had that one year, what was it, 2015, where he missed, geez, he probably missed like 50 games, something like that. He was out a very long time. And Trout's had injuries. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't feel like they've been as serious and as long. He hasn't been out for as long in those injuries as Harper had. So it's just unbelievable, really. And then you look at that contract he has, too. Okay, I think that this was a pretty productive show. This is Reality Check with Klimchek and Klimchek. Thanks for listening. So long. <laughs>